This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Making it worse. I'm Elliot Glazer. I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. We're here. We're queer. Meh. Textual healing. All right. So. I don't know if you. I knew you were going to do that. You know what, Alan? I'm the musical guest. I had to. Shut the fuck up, Alan. No, I'm just kidding. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Same old Brent. (laughs) Uh, No, I'm just teasing. So I don't know if you guys have heard the news, but Amy Schneider, a transgender Jeopardy contestant who did. And I believe a Jew. Uh, You you might be the expert on that. I don't know. uh, More than myself. But. Uh, uh, she debuted on November 17th and she has continued her streak of 19 straight games uh, because I actually watched today and she it's won killing again it. today. She's yeah, killing she's it, like friend. real. She's really killing it. Yeah. Uh, I, I also caught her. I haven't been watching Jeopardy as much as I did during the height of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, and uh, but I, I caught her first episode and now uh, I caught this one and she's actually really fun to watch because mm-hmm. she is um well she's an engineering manager based in oakland uh and she recently surpassed let me get to the facts here that she recently surpassed larissa kelly as the show's most winningest woman contestant in history but what i like about her is unlike james holtower who kind of famously sort of changed how the game is played which is if you're if you're good at answering questions you hit really high dollar value uh questions as quickly as possible in a round and in getting a lot of answers correct, you'll increase the likelihood that you'll get a double jeopardy and then you bet a ton of money on double jeopardy. Mm-hmm. So it's frustrating to watch because, and multiple people have played like this, where at the end of f- seven minutes, the person has already run away with the game. And yeah. it's, just, it's just kind of annoying and I hate I hated James Holtzauer. Does she play like that? I haven't she really does watched. Not she does not play. She's incredibly good. She gets ev- almost everything right. Uh, but and and I guess maybe someone who's watched all of her games would, would correct me. But my understanding is she just plays like a regular person, but she just knows a lot of shit. Kind of. Do you ever much like, like Ken Jennings? Whenever you're watching, because I mean, you watch more than I think probably. Elliot, do you watch Jeopardy? Not anymore. No. Yeah. Um, so I so can't like, watch it without Alex. When you're watching. <laughs> <laughs> when you <laughs> I can't it's it sounded like well, what would your aunt say there actually <laughs> yeah. um when 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 you're watching Brent and someone is like answering all like they get most of the questions right do you get like a schadenfreude satisfaction I, when they get something wrong you're like I Fuck you you got it wrong you smarty so, I get so mad oh. when someone is getting them all right which I know is the point of the game. You go on Jeopardy yeah. to get everything right. 
it makes me so mad. Now, I don't mean like someone who's pl- who's dominating one game. Yeah. I mean, someone who after three, four, five days, you're like, oh, this fucking jackass again. There was this college <laughs> kid from like Yale who was on it. I hated him so much. I almost DM'd him on Twitter. <gasps> wow. Just to tell him wow. how much I hated Wait, so the way he Amy played. Then? He was smug. No, because oh. Amy's really good. And she's playing like she's just really smart and she's playing the conventional way. Yeah. Um, you know what's but, cool about this too is, yeah. oh, sorry, I was going to say what's cool about this too is that in reading about her <clears throat> and seeing it covered, you know, it's in that like Jeopardy world and like obviously there's huge fans of Jeopardy everywhere and with Alex Trebek leaving, mm-hmm. it's been like a big part of the public, you know, cultural conversation. But in talking about Amy Schneider, I really feel like it, it's, I mean, from what I've the little that I've read and seen and noticed, it's like the fact that she's trans really seems to be secondary to yeah. um, her abilities as a contestant. Mm-hmm. And it's just really nice to see that. It's a, it's, yeah. a, it's a lovely thing to see that if it's mentioned, it's like part of who she is, it's part of her identity, but right. the focus really seems to be on the fact that she's just killing it on Jeopardy. Yeah, yeah. which is like, I mean, it just really goes back to the argument really the foundational argument for I think a lot of queer people is that it's all about visibility and the the importance of just being out in the sense that you don't wear it necessarily on your sleeve although if you want to you can that's wonderful that's by all means do it maybe I will but if you are just out and visible in a sense where you're not hiding there's no shame involved in your identity and she sort of personifies that in a lot of really amazing ways yeah Yeah. can can we please revisit uh uh two minutes ago when Elliot uh referenced Alex Trebek quote leaving the show (laughs) and not he got on the train to heaven leaving earth (laughs) (laughs) Uh, who's host I, who is it? Mayim yeah, Bialik now? Mayim Bialik and, oh, and Ken good? Jennings. I actually really like Ken Jennings. I also, I also think she's a great host too. They're both really? great. I think Mayim's a perfect choice to host. Yeah, she's, she seems yeah, like a she's great choice. Super light and and but you can tell extremely smart, even though she's like oddly anti-vax. But whatever. <laughs> well, but <laughs> no, no, I actually, but I actually no. think Ken Jennings is awesome. I'm I'm a big fan of him. I will say she's not anti. She's anti-vax in certain specific. That was like oh! one thing she wrote. She did put out an essay talking about the importance of the COVID vaccine. So she's not anti-vax. Let's okay. not start that rumor mill, Ellie or Brent. Like, Someone loves all Jews. Well, I yes, see. and she is a Jew. I will say that. I know Ooh, that for she a is fact. The she Jew. is the She is the Jew. <laughs> well, no, she's not the Jew. Barbara Streisand's the Jew. Thank you. <laughs> Not even joking. Our guest today, so fun. We actually were talking sports before we started right. recording, which sports. I led Herb that ball. conversation. I, I'm a big sports fanatic. Everyone knows this. I Everyone knows excited. that. Of Please course welcome it. Carly Usden. Hello, Carly. <laughs> Hi. Thanks we were for talking basketball me. because we were supposed to record the other night, but you had yes. to go to an LA Lakers game because you I had did. a day with Adele, correct? Uh, yes, I was gonna, of course. I, I was going to say, we talked basketball for 30 seconds and then Alan segued to Adele. Yes. So. Yes. That is exactly what happened. Um, <laughs> Hello. Most, most sports conversations do eventually turn. <laughs> right. Wait, but did you Adele. see any celebrities at the Lakers game? I, okay. So like I was up kind of high, so I couldn't really tell. They didn't show any on the Jumbotron though. No binoculars for you? Okay. No, I left my opera glasses at home. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> I love it. Are you a big like sports fan? I love basketball. Uh, okay. I've like I grew up playing basketball. Um, I'm a huge like WNBA fan. Like of course, 
like a queer a queer person who loves the WNBA like what a shock but, <laughs> right um, right get in line um but yeah I, I I enjoy the NBA and I'm a Lakers fan so uh they won it was great I feel like they won because I was there yeah um, of course they, they did. did I think they you know, did they saw you, you way up there and they were like Wait, this I was like I was like yay like in my little mask I was like yay <laughs> let, 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 let me ask you Carly what what is it like going to a WNBA game what is the differences Oh. Um, and hot dogs. And like when you're doing something like, of course, you love the WNBA, but it's also like kind of political because you want to support a, a women's sports league as well. Is it? Do you? Do, is sorry, it, the way Brent says women's sports league is like somehow like like it's a br aggress- thing. Aggressive, women's aggressively, <laughs> no, but, aggressively are, like a matronly for some reason. But there. Anyway, they all wear culottes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so what's it like going to a WNBA game? It's just like the, you remember the Easy Spirit commercial from like the mid 90s? Looks yes. like, yeah. <laughs> like, yes. like that. No. Um, but that's what it sounded like you were describing. Um, no, it's, um, I, okay, I'm, okay. So like the, the LA Sparks, that's like our local team here right. in LA, they play in the exact same arena that mm-hmm. the Clippers and the Lakers play in. Um, formerly Staples Center, now the right. Crypto.com Arena, which is- I'm not just calling the, it that. <laughs> the funniest thing I've ever right. seen. Yeah. Like, they switched out that signage immediately. Like, it's yeah, awesome. yeah. Um, and <laughs> um, so it's, you know, it's like you go to like a Lakers game, you know, LeBron's playing, these like huge stars are playing right. and to get tickets to those games, it's so expensive. Really? and. Yeah, it's like really expensive. Hundreds like hundreds of dollars. Yeah, totally. Oh wow, um, I don't think I knew that. Wow. Yeah, and so like you know, if you want to be like be closer to the action, you're going to pay at least a yeah. hundred bucks. You want to feel their sweat. Yeah. Exactly, crazy, which yeah. is like half the reason you want to go is to feel the sweat, see what sneakers they're wearing. That's huge. Yeah. Um, and sit by Adele. That's really why I want to go. Right, well, right. that's that's courtside is what you're talking about mm. there, and that is even more expensive but right. the cool thing about the WNBA is that you can essentially sit like on the floor like you can sit oh. like right behind wow. the team's bench wow for, like 50 bucks and you know it's like a double-edged sword of like uh it would be cool That's if cool. there was like a higher demand so that they yeah. would be making more in ticket prices and they could play the players more but for the fans it's amazing yeah. See, like, I, right think, there. I think I yeah. think someone should go dressed up either as who goes to the Lakers games is it Spike Lee right is he one of them uh yeah, Jack goes Nicholson to the Knicks, to the Knicks games. games oh he goes to the Knicks I, they're all the same so you mm-hmm. dress up as they're one not. of them right <laughs> and and you like you turn the WNBA games into like the main games with like paparazzi like you bring your own paparazzi and everything like mm. I think I think the WNBA should do that mm. I saw I saw Wanda Sykes at a WNBA game. Ooh, okay. <laughs> That's a little actually, too on brand. It was it was like wildly on brand. I was like looking around. I was like, is that Wanda Sykes? And my friends and I were like, that that's too obvious. And then we were like, yeah. no, it actually is. And then they called like during a timeout, they had her like come out onto the middle of the court and like say hi to her. Oh, so wow. It was very like a famous person is here quick. <laughs> um, I mean, I said on this very podcast a few weeks ago that like when the WNBA started, I'd never Rosie O'Donnell was like the de facto uh, um, mascot for the mm-hmm. WNBA. I'd really? Never, yes. You don't remember during the like heyday of her show, the WNBA began, I believe. And she talked about it all the time and went mm-hmm. to like every game. And I was like, I should go to a WNBA. Yeah. <laughs> no. I was in high school when the, when it started, uh, yeah. I think it started in like 97 and um, 
I, yeah, I was in high school and I made my parents take me to like New York's first ever home game, which was against LA. Um, that oh, was like, wow. that was like the height of wow. my like, like little jock era was like, you know, high yeah. school. That was like it for me. It's all I could think about. Did you see Rosie, Rosie O'Donnell there? And did she throw koosh balls? Mm, I oh my God. And like, I love that you have your own koosh. I'm telling you, I'm, telling, I'm ready to go to a game. Thrower. Let's go. Let's, Let's go. go. I'm ready. Let's go. We just need to wait for it to start. Um, <laughs> no, sadly she was not there, which um. I think. It's kind of shitty. Wait, so Perfect. before we go on, I mean, we can talk so much more about basketball, but yeah. I have to tell you really the listeners. I mean, I will. I'm, I'm game. I'm. I, I started an improv, so I can yes and you. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Carly, you are a great writer director. You directed Suicide Kale. You also directed Misdirection, which is amazing. Yes. And you, you did you you wrote the graphic novels Heavy Vinyl and The Avant Garde, right? I in fact created and wrote those. Yes. Oh, oh. you're like. Oh, did you draw them too? Trades. I'm a master of nothing. No, yeah, I, I, um, I, I thought like, I was like, I'm going to be a director. I want to be a director. I want to direct. That's all I want to do. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, I, I did Suicide Kale, which was this like micro budget queer indie that I made with a bunch of friends, mm-hmm. um, starring Brittany Nichols and Jessica Nicole. And Brittany wrote others. it as well, right? Brittany wrote it. And yeah. it was like pretty heavily improvised as well. Mm-hmm. We, kind of allowed the cast to create their own characters. It was, we called it mumble queer. Like it was very like, <laughs> we had like $5 and we shot it like almost in real time. Cause it takes place over like an afternoon kind of. Mm, yeah. And so we were just like, everyone, you know bring your creativity. We're not getting paid. We have no money. And so like, come create your own characters. Letting all the actors create their own characters was ridiculous. Every, every character had like seven names and like <laughs> the most insane backstory. I was like, I'm never doing this again. No, but- um, You were working with all Julianne Moores. Yes, yeah. it was a full <laughs> cast of Julianne's. And yeah. um, it, it was it was like, it was really incredible. And so like, we, we made this film, we were like, okay, like uh, maybe someone will watch it. But like, mm-hmm. we, we were like, we have to see this edit and see if it's like a thing where it's like, oh, my friends and I made something, it's only funny to us right? and only watchable by us. Or like, if we can show this to That's people. The so funniest, we... Those are the funniest things. Yeah, but like we, we we did the edit and we were like, I think I think we can show this to other people. Yeah. And we did, and they did a whole <laughs> festival run in 2016 and it was amazing. But um, doing that, um, I have a friend who was at Boom Studios, which is a big comic book publisher. And she was like, I love Suicide Kale. You should write books for us. And I was like, I didn't write that movie. I directed and edited that movie. She was like, I don't care. <laughs> and I grew up reading comic books. Like I was yeah. like a big comic, I, I was like a half jock, half comic book nerd, I guess, uh-huh. uh, depending on the year. And um, <laughs> and so I, I was like, okay, fine. Like I have these ideas for books I want to write, whatever, yeah. they liked them. And then they were like, we're going to pair you with a writer. You'll have a co-writer. Because I'd really never, I'd done like copywriting, like my old job before that. I worked at Logo for five years when oh, I was wow, yeah. Oh, wow. I think that's I, when I started following you on Twitter because I've followed I think, you for a long time. Yeah. I think that might be when we became Twitter friends. And that's yeah. when I first met Elliot like a billion years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like, that's right. Yeah. And so, you know, I did like copywriting then, you know, I wrote like yeah. interviews for musicians, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But like, I had never like written a, a story, like a real story with characters and everything. And so I was like, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. So I interviewed a bunch of, di- I've interviewed with a couple of different potential co-writers and, you know, scheduling and everything that happens, it all fell through. And then my my friend who's the editor was like, hey, your first like your first draft of your first issue is due in like three weeks. And I was like, oh, am I writing this by myself then? She was like, yes. <laughs> and I was like, you tricked me. She was yeah. like, I didn't, but I also did. And she just had this like huge amount of faith in me that I could write. 
which I, I still don't really, it's hard to fathom because I, I wrote my first uh, series, which was heavy vinyl. Yeah. And then from there I started writing short films and then like, like I wrote misdirection and directed mm-hmm. that. So like that whole experience with comics is like what, I guess what's like, the difference showed between... me I, I could write a, a, a film, I guess. Yeah. But what's the difference between a comic and a graphic novel? Uh, virtually nothing. Uh, the length, oh, okay, really. Okay. Yeah. Like, okay, um, yeah. like I, I'm most of my. Isn't books it deeper out... too? I always thought graphic novels they had That's to be about I the Holocaust too. or like suicide. Be... <laughs> <You> <laughs> it know? has to be dark. <laughs> yeah. House. Yeah, they have yeah, to include exactly. mice House. or lesbians. <laughs> yes. One or Watchmen. <laughs> Those are the two that I've read. Yeah. <laughs> you remember, Matt? You met the ma- mouse was the. Sc- I mean, I'm sorry to tangent quickly, but Brandon, are you aware of mouse? Mouse was huge. No. No. What's oh, really? Mouse, oh, Mouse was like this terrifying graphic novel from at least when I was like, we were kids. we were in high middle school high school yeah yeah I think yeah, so wow. about the Holocaust and like the main but they were mice yes but they were mice so it was meant yeah. to be like dark and scary but also uh, a, it was also a graphic novel it was yeah. terrifying but it was like like it would make my hands shake <laughs> also Fun Home Fun Home was amazing is that am I yeah. saying that right yeah, yeah, yeah. That was Fun Home novel. was amazing yeah. that was a beautiful beautiful graphic novel the, mm. the really the difference is like page length because. I would do like monthly issues of my book. So those would be like short, you know, like the little floppy books you get at a comic book shop from the wall yeah. Yeah. or in a box. And then like at the end of the run, we would put out a graphic novel that would have all the issues or like four of the issues in it. So it would be like, you know, 80 or hundred pages or something long. Oh, wow. But, I was always um, usually... jealous of comic book kids. Like I wanted to be a comic yeah, I book never kid, got but into like it. People Magazine was there and it was just the Star Treks <laughs> right. were like so important to me that like right. I never got into comics, you know? Right. Well, were you into, what well, I was in like, an, I read like Archie comics, but like Carly, for some reason, I imagine you read something more sophisticated as a kid. Yeah. I mean, is X-Men more sophisticated than yeah. Archie? Yes. I don't know that you could, I don't know. It's very <laughs> queer. That's true. I, I was my favorite, favorite, favorite thing in the comic book shop growing up was Batman mm. and that whole universe, like Batman villains. Like I fell in like the the old like 60s Batman TV series was in reruns when I was growing up. And my parents would be like, oh, you got to watch this. And they'd like sit down mm. with me to watch it. And I'd be like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen on television. Nothing is ever going to top this. Nothing ever has. Um, <laughs> and like that got me into Batman. And then, you know, like the Keaton film, like, you know, Keaton Batman, the Val Kilmer Batman, Batman yeah. Forever is like still one of my favorite movies, even though it's absolutely terrible. But um, hey, queer people love Batman Forever. My, that's, that's, the one with, very... that's the one with Jim Carrey, right? Yeah. yeah and Poison, isn't Poison Ivy? Poison with... Ivy's in the one after that, Batman oh. and Robin, but they're both directed by Joel Schumacher. Yeah. Joel yeah. Schumacher. So it was very flamboyantly Like if you go back and watch oh, Batman Forever, yes. which I did recently, um, all of the the like the 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 villains like henchmen, yeah. they're dressed in like full head to toe like leather gear. And his nipples. I remember yeah, the, the bat the, suit the has Batman nipples. I mean, nipple suit. Yeah. Oh I did a Sadie, a Sadie look to Poison Ivy uh, like a That's year right. ago. Uh, and it was a Poison Ivy was just Poison Ivy is just the but best. The, but the original Batman, I wanted to say, I think that's the first gay television show on television. I really I, do. I would agree. It was I, I so campy queer. So mm. campy. Going back and watching it now is it's just like absolutely just mind-bogglingly yeah. silly. Wait, Carly, I want to ask you something that's been on, like when when I was sort of looking into what you do and everything, and I was thinking of directors, right? And like comics, the trajectory of a comic makes sense to me. You know what I mean? You do rooms, you start workshopping. You, it's I, I see that in actors even. I see that sort of trajectory of how actors, but like mm-hmm. you don't meet a lot of people who like 
wanted to be directors. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's not something that like, there, there's no through line there that that equates in my mind, like an actor or a comic or a drag artist or whatever it does. So like, how, how you, you said you always wanted to be a director. How did you like start there? And like, was it weird when you told people I want to be a director? Cause I would probably be like, well, good luck. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like this this kind of nebulous idea of a career that there's no clear path forward like you're absolutely correct with your like assessment um there's no like you do this first then you do this then you do this then you're going to go do that or do that and you'll end up here and it'll take x amount of years maybe that doesn't exist i didn't even know what directing was when i was growing up i there was this show on like the Discovery Channel. Remember the, Ooh, when we had the Discovery yes. Channel? Yeah. Uh, it was called Movie Magic. And it, they showed how they did all the practical effects in like 90s films. So there was like one where they like blew up a miniature city for Ghostbusters. There was one where they did the like Terminator 2 and the what's his face? Mm. Uh, the guy like melts. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 How they did that and like, you know, blowing up miniatures. And I was like, that is, yeah. this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. I want to do that. I want to blow up a miniature city. That's going to be my career. <laughs> and so like I was like into the making of, you know, visual storytelling. You know, like I, yeah. I clearly was like interested in that, but I didn't, I had no sense of like, what does a writer do? What does a director do? What's a production mm-hmm. designer? Like, I just knew that there was like, I would sit at my house with my parents and I would watch things on TV and there were actors in them. And presumably they were saying words that someone else probably wrote. And that's kind of all I knew. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like eventually, I think, I guess like in high school, I kind of fell into this like, my, my like queer coming of age, like trying to figure out my identity when I was in high school, a lot of it, you know, like the, it was like the, it was like 96 to 2000. So it was mm, like, that was my sweet was, years too. Right. Mm, and so like, yeah. there was, that was, that was my high school year. So it was like, there was not much pop culturally to go off of. And so mm. I became well, Barbara Streisand mirror has been faces. <laughs> I mean, right there. Yeah, Car- that's what Carly was listening to. Because I was, I remember reading way. Premiere Magazine in 1996 with every single issue talked about the drama of that film and how she was directing it. I'm sorry, that should have been your inspiration. Anyway, continue. It should have. I did have a subscription to Premiere Magazine. Yes. <laughs> so um, Of course I did. Um, but I, I kind of became obsessed with like the indie film wall at the blockbuster video by my yeah. parents' house. And so I would like go through, like, I was like, okay, what, who am I obsessed with right now? What filmmaker, what actor? Mm-hmm. Like I had this like very intense, like I had like an Ali Sheedy phase. I watched everything with Ali Ooh, Sheedy. I had like a Parker art. Posey phase, high art, iconic, mm-hmm. you know, every Parker Posey film, like uh, party girl. I worked at a library at one point. I was like, this is iconic. I can't even imagine. Um, so like I, I started kind of like getting into like very queer and like indie art housey cinema of the late 90s, I guess. And that was kind of my little like baby film education and also like baby queer kind yeah. of like hatchling. Edu- I don't even know. Um, and it wasn't until I saw the film, but I'm a cheerleader that I realized that like. I was just going to say, yeah, but I'm a cheerleader. But Hands I'm a cheerleader sh- showed me, first of all, that I needed to get a black button up shirt to wear out. Yeah. meet girls and the <laughs> second thing it showed me thank you the ball the second thing it showed me was that you can make a, a queer things that are funny yeah and aren't completely tragic because right. the <laughs> other thing about all those 90s indie queer films is oh, that tragic they're the most tragic. the most depressing yeah. although, about although like yeah. yes they are but i find the ones that get studio money or some money were the really 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 tragic ones and the yeah. ones that were kind of like on a shoestring like but i'm a cheerleader like 
a lot of British films I'm remembering as a kid watching. Oh yeah, wasn't Get Real? That was a yeah, British. Yes, film, that right? was one. Yeah, I there was there was one. a few of them that were that were just so low budget, but they weren't tragic because they were just telling their own story. And, and they of, were they were kind of rom coms. They were yeah, sort of that like mid budget rom. Billy's Hollywood Screen Kiss is a great example. That's a great movie. Like I love a great, that movie. Like optimistic mm. queer film that yeah, you know it was before and, Will and Grace with Sean Hayes, and it was yep. just it was just fun. Those were the mm. films that I was like. Because I loved, you know, like rom-coms and teen films of the 90s. Yeah. Like that was like the stuff I was obsessed with watching. That was the stuff that made me really happy. And I was like, I would love to make things like that. And like realizing I was queer and trying to, you know, reconcile all these things. Like what, what does that path forward look like? Yeah. I had no idea. I uh, went off to college in Orlando, Florida. And it's- Ooh, oh, do you work at Disney? Uh, I actually did not work at Disney. Mm. Most of my friends worked at Disney. So I got <laughs> right. to go for free like all the time. Yeah. And um, I was like, I'm going to go to UCF. I'm going to do, they have a film program. Um, they, the guys that did Blair Witch graduated from there and it was oh, wow. right, it was like Love the year after. So like Blair suddenly Witch. this new film program from UCF yeah. is on the map. And I had family yeah. in Florida. I was from Jersey, but I had family in Florida. So I was like, I'm getting out of the cold. I'm going to be mm. kind of near family. Like I got into USC, but I was terrified to like cross the country for some reason. Yeah. Now I'm like, please yeah. don't make me go back <laughs> East. But yeah. Um, <laughs> So I, I went and I was like, okay, I'm going to like study film. I don't know. I, I, I guess I, I, maybe I want to do special effects. Maybe I want to be, a, I, I don't even know what anyone's jobs are. Like, I don't understand yeah. any of this yeah. stuff. And just over the course of time and like, you know, reading every issue of Premier Magazine and reading Filmmaker yeah. Magazine and Entertainment mm-hmm. Weekly obsessively, kind of like, you know, you start to read interviews with, with different people and you kind of sort of start to see how it works. You know, yeah. I was People like Christopher Guest, I thought he was like the most incredible director. I just wanted to make films like him. Yeah. Um, And I would, you know, read interviews and I'm like, okay, cool. Like talking about how like him and like Eugene Levy, like write these scripts and like, then they get their whole little troop. I'm like, this is so amazing. I could do this. I could totally do this. There's not one way to do really anything. Yeah. I think that's what it proves is that there's not really... Yeah, you're just you're just a very passionate person, and, and being able to say yes, just being <clears throat> in the moment to yeah. say yes to something and be present, so you can have these opportunities. Yeah, so like very long about way of saying there's no set way to become a director. I'm yeah. still trying to become a director. Most people refer to me as a upcoming or emerging director, and I'm nearly forty. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm like, I remember, when will I half emergeth? I, don't I remember know. <laughs> as a kid because I was like I was obsessed with movies as a kid, and we're around the same age, and so I was like in that same era of sort of going to see these queer films and I worked at movie theaters but I didn't want to like go to film school or anything because I knew I wanted to do comedy or something but like I was obsessed with movies and I still am and I remember distinctly in St. Louis at the Tivoli seeing um, Hedwig and the Angry Inch and like Mm. understanding the trajectory of Hedwig and the Angry Inch and how it started as like a club drag act and how this guy who wasn't even a director decided that he created this character so he had to write direct and star in this movie and like it was sort of, it was very queer in the sort of mm. how it came about. Absolutely. And it was such a queer film too. Such a good movie. Such a good movie. I haven't rewatched that in a while. I need to rewatch that. The, the whole like, the whole like uh, genesis behind it is such a queer yeah. story and such an inspiring story for like the time it came out and I was in like high school or college. Like yeah. I was, I was like deeply moved by that story of just like how it happened, like how he did it, like how John yeah. Cameron Mitchell pulled it off. Like, I feel like if someone like that had a character that was really popular on like TikTok or mm-hmm. oh my god something yeah and they were and they were like I'm gonna make this movie into a feature no one would let them direct no. it unless yeah. they financed it themselves and that is, is like well I mean this is like a whole other story right of like yeah. the whole idea of like the mid-budget 
like kind of studio-ish film Mm -hmm. it doesn't exist anymore it does not exist so there's that but like blah blah anyway like it's just funny to think like that that wouldn't happen today that wouldn't happen yeah it just wouldn't (laughs) or if it did it would be a youtube red original which i would still take that money Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. YouTube has YouTube does have a lot of money. YouTube has they, a lot uh, of money. Yeah. But still, it's one of those things is like no one's gonna watch it on YouTube Red, dude. No, like you'd have still, to like kickstart it. You'd be yeah, like, oh, I my would, character that has eight million followers on TikTok, I'm gonna make a feature. Yeah. And you'd have to like kickstart it and then do that. What are you working on now? Yeah, oh t- tell us I also want to know about a little bit about Bobby's big problem. Oh yes. <laughs> um Okay, Bobby's Big Problem was a, it's a PSA that I wrote and directed. I wrote and directed it last year, but it actually started pre-COVID. This project uh, mm. kind of fell into my lap. It um, <clears throat> was a PSA for this organization called Born Perfect, and they are working tirelessly to outlaw conversion therapy in the United States. It is obviously a very harmful, abusive, awful practice. No science of any kind supports it. Um but as with the many things in our cool country, they're letting states, you know, decide what they want to do on their own. So there's still, I think, somewhere in the like roughly 30 something states that do 30. not have laws on the books. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. 30? What? I think I think it's something like 30 or 34, even I, that like yeah. have an outlaw. They don't have it's, laws on the books. That don't. Right. And right. It's so shocking. It's like I think. I don't know about you guys, but like, I, I feel like I, even in COVID, I, I'm still living in a bubble. I still live in my like queer yeah. entertainment yeah. media bubble, yeah. even though I'm not, never leaving my house anymore. But like, I, you forget, like you forget that like, you forget that there's a whole real still world happening. out there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so when this project came up, I was like, absolutely. I'm, I'm so, like, this is an honor to get to write something and direct something and like, you know, have a little bit of a budget to make something I actually give a shit about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then COVID happened. And so we kind of just like pushed it to the side because it was supposed to be like a live action, entirely live action, like humans, uh, right. humans on camera. I, I said, that sounds weird if you don't know what I'm talking about. So the final <laughs> iteration of it was puppets. We had worked with an entirely puppet cast. Uh, it was my first time working with puppets. And I pitched the idea of what if we pivot to puppets, which I think everyone should just be pivoting to puppets. Let's all yeah. pivot to puppets. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, they are I, on daytime TV. Like during COVID, they were kissing mannequins and like puppets. That's... So they wouldn't mm. touch. Did you know that? Mm. Isn't that wild? That, act, that actually was a thing. Denise Richards kissed a mannequin during wow. COVID. So that she was could it shoot. the first time? I don't think I so. probably not. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. P.S. Drop Dead Gorgeous, one of my all-time favorites. The best. <laughs> the best. But um, I pitched this idea of puppets in like the fall of 2020. Mm-hmm. I was like, look, we need we, we've been sitting on this project for like almost a year, for like eight months. Like we have to deliver some content. Yeah. Well, let's do an animation. I was like, that's actually really expensive. Like a fully animated, like three minute PSA is absolutely mm. not yeah. a budget. Yeah. And I did, had never worked with puppets before. So I didn't really understand what puppets cost. So I was like, let's do puppets. And the the people at Born Perfect were like, yes, let's definitely do puppets. I just suggested it because I grew up watching Sesame Street and, yeah. you know, Muppets and Fraggle Rock. And like, it's been my dream mm-hmm. to yeah. work with puppets. Down a Fraggle so, Rock. Yeah, you know. Sorry. So I'm like, <laughs> please let me do this with puppets. And they're like, cool. And then of course we found out that like puppets are super expensive because the sets are really small. And so they have to all be like specially made and all the props mm. are like really there's small. there's a small crew of actors. I used to work at the Jim Henson company. There's a small crew oh. of actors that like do puppet work. And they're mm-hmm. like, it's like exclusive, not exclusively, but it's often just what they do. So like yeah. you don't have a large pool of actors to pull from. We worked with uh, three puppeteers 
who were all women. They were all really, really talented and really, really cool. Um, and I was very like, no, go ahead. Oh, and Darcy Carden's in it and Patton Oswalt's in it. So yes, it's, it's, uh, River Butcher's so, like the lead um, and Jessica Nicole because I can't make anything and not have Jessica be in it apparently. <laughs> uh, she's my muse, it's true. Um, but yeah, so like this little like kind of almost like a Saved by the Bell inspired kind of 90s vibe of like this puppet boy, teen boy at school. And he's like, I'm sad. And his friend's like, why? And he's like, because I'm in therapy. And she's like, but therapy makes, is like, good. Like therapy makes me feel great. Like I love being in therapy. And he's like, mm-hmm. let me tell you about this therapy. And then you get this like, and then you go to like scenes of him in this horrible conversion therapy place. And like Patton Oswalt plays the the conversion therapy guy, um, complete quack, like nonsense guy. Darcy plays his mom. And, uh, and they're like, okay, son, like have fun at, at school today, you know, whatever therapy. And then he, uh, through the course of like a little montage, he um, is abused by the by the uh, the the therapist, falls in love with another uh, person that's there named Christopher, and mm-hmm. then uh, comes out it on the other side um, with his his friend being like, "That's abuse. We need to get you help," kind of thing. It's very like a little after school special ish. But that's great. Um, but it was so I got to work with. It was amazing. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. It's so it's so it's great. And it's such, like I didn't I had no idea about this organization, but it's so cool to see that they exist and, and that yeah. you have to do this this work with them. It's awesome. It was yeah. so cool. It's it's rare that like you get to work on something where you're like, I actually care about this and yeah. and like the message yeah. behind it. Um yeah, so well, I was I was really, really proud well, of the piece. One last question before we go. What are you working on right now? I'm still like, you know, very passionate about uh, women's basketball. So I'm trying to get a women's basketball related project off the ground right now. Um, and I'm attached to some projects that hopefully will happen this year, fingers crossed. And am still sort of like clawing at doors, trying to direct my first episode of television. That's sort of where I'm at right now. I just want to go to a, I'm, we're going to go to a WNBA game. I'm going to have two hot dogs, one with cheese, one with ketchup. <laughs> They and have all the same food that you can get at the NBA, which that. really excites me. Alan's first question: Do, do they have hot dogs at WNBA? I, hot I hot was wondering that. I, I, love, I think hot dogs are the coolest food, They're and so with the good. recent passing of Betty White, hot dogs were her favorite food. So oh. I'm going to adopt them as my favorite food. I think I get hot dogs wherever I can: movie theaters, Disneyland, now WNBA games. <laughs> Well, you're yeah. super active, and you're always making stuff, and you're just lovely to talk to. Um, and people can find you at your website, I'm assuming, carlyhouston.com. You are correct, Elliot. And thank you for saying those Yeah, nice and where can they follow you on <laughs> social media? I am Carlytron on all the stuff, um, really just Twitter and Instagram. But yeah, uh, Carlytron, like the band Lady Tron. Which I love it. Love mm. it. Well, well, thanks thank for being people here. probably don't know. <laughs> Yeah, thank you so much, Carly. Uh, Thanks, Carly. Thank you so much for having me. This was so delightful. And another thing. So I thought because, uh, well, no, for absolutely apropos of no reason whatsoever, I thought it'd be fun to ask what you guys carry around. If you carry a bag, what's in your bag? What do you carry? Um, what What do you carry when you're out and about in the world? Elliot, you, we have to start with your list because it sure. is priceless. It's, yeah, it's 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 well, priceless. Also, and I go, don't believe. I don't slowly. know if I believe half of it. 
Uh, yeah. okay. Well, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, I carry a uh, tote, uh, always from the Strand Bookstore in New York. Uh-huh. It's the best tote. Yeah. It has a zipper, a little pocket inside. Okay. Um, and I just go through those. So what are you putting up? What are you putting that pocket, Elliot? Well, if I'm carrying my tote, um, or as of late, a fanny pack, but that's usually for hikes, <laughs> I carry um, Ativan uh, at all times, yeah. <laughs> AirPods, uh, protein bars, my beloved neck fan. <laughs> Brent, you'll be happy to know that I don't have a backup neck fan quite yet. Okay. I do all right. Have, um, How big is your neck few. fan? It goes around the whole neck and then kind You've of seen it. hangs off the bottom and people oh, think yes. Ear uh, um, headphones sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Nope, nope. Um, I always have mints. I also like to have sour mints as well, depending on like the flavor palette. No. <laughs> I have tons of pencils. Um, <laughs> I have my sketchbook, um, which is for like work, but also like doodling. <laughs> but it has to be a dotted grid because I love dotted grids. Um, mm, always mm-hmm. dark chocolate. I carry See, on. That's extra, what I question. Extra socks and hand sanitizer. Dark chocolate, dark chocolate and socks are the two parts that I'm like, you're lying. You're Why actually would I be lying. Because that would is I be the, lying? that is not something you would ever put a put in a fanny pack or b well, put in put in like a strand tote. Like I, it's, a, it's a tin I, of uh, ch- dark chocolate wedges from Trader Joe's and oh, socks wow. and socks. Wait, that's Alan, awesome. Alan, hold on. I'm going to correct you for a second. When I was in high school. I hated wet socks so much yes. that I had a, a spare dry set of socks in my backpack every day that, that I would change. Backpack exactly. is different change than a socks. strand tote bag. <laughs> Why? Because, okay, first off, we live in Los Angeles, so your socks aren't getting wet. That's the first right, thing. The, the second, thing, the second thing, strand tote bag is something that if you set on the ground and it <laughs> opens, people are just going to see chocolate, a weird fan that looks like a headphone <laughs> and socks. Well, and they're going to be like, are you bag. jerking off into this sock? Do you bring <laughs> socks to jerk <laughs> off into into restaurants? No, it's a, it's a big tote bag and that's where it's a big tote bag and that's where all my gym clothes go too. So, and everything's mm. clean and fresh. I wouldn't have anything like smelly in there, but um I but I'm just I'm with Brent like in the in the rare case that I'm going to have that somehow socks are going to get wet, I cannot handle yeah. wet socks next time so i, I see you with a bag i'm gonna open it and i want to okay. see socks i want to <laughs> yeah. see socks yeah. in there. and you will there's always <laughs> and there's always my my chillets my headbands that are made for um forehead sweat <laughs> okay <laughs> forehead sweat even while wearing the neck fan yeah that's what yeah. i run that's how i run wow <laughs> That's too much. Wow. All right. Um, well, only because I'm going to go next because mine is such a profound juxtaposition from Elliot's. Uh, I have a I back. Uh, well, I normally carry nothing on me uh, except my wallet, phone, keys, and chapstick, and sometimes iPod Nano. <laughs> is and that I a Nano. square the, one or the or the thin one that you? Uh, the the thin one that I love. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. And I have a backpack sometimes. And when I take that to like to the store or something, I only put uh, pepper spray and a club <laughs> in the backpack because I live in downtown Los Angeles. A club, you, like a you okay. never know. Who, yes, I bought a weighted club. Wow. Brent, Brent, like Brent lives basically in where like Seymour lived in Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> I live. I mean, by the way, downtown Los Angeles is actually a really great, vibrant neighborhood. Yes. But it is there are there are parts. 
parts that are, parts sketchy that are like and, and weird people everywhere yes. yeah, yeah, yeah and, and yeah, that was yeah. the era of new york where you'd have to like walk around constantly with keys but with right uh, keys right in your yeah. knuckles you know right. and like pepper spray like that was the that was that was new york then and that is where yeah where wow. yeah yeah <laughs> by choice, by choice. Is... <laughs> it's, a, it's a really it's by far the best neighborhood in los angeles it is great <laughs> <laughs> Ellie, Alan goes. It is great, and Ellie just giggles. It's true. It's, it's people think true. of like sunny Southern California, and it's like, it's like walking I around like... with a club, like like a Dick Tracy character. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. All right, uh, Alan, what's in Alan, your bag? You're uh, well, mine mine's actually pretty boring compared to you guys's, which is really surprising for me because I'm the mm-hmm. faggot here. Um, but I will say my my bags, my I love a bag. I've always had a bag. I, I carry purses like it's a big thing. And I have three mm. bags for three different occasions. So I have a small bag that I carry with me everywhere, yeah. which is which is just like I fit my phone in it and like some chapstick wallet and, size. And yeah, it's a wallet. A it's basically large my wallet. wallet. And what it does is I can take out. This is so convenient. I love practicality. I love being able to take this part out and it's my wallet. Yeah, and it's, literally, nice. and it's a part of the bag. And then I put that. If I'm going to a fancy thing where I want to show off, I put my Prada bag. And if I go into like a regular life thing, I have this big long chomp bag, which is probably the size of the bun that you're talking about, Elliot. Yes, yes, yeah. it's that big. But I don't have socks in here or a neck fan or anything like <laughs> yeah. that. I just have like the typical things like- Condoms? No, I don't even have condoms. I have, But I have like, I have wet wipes and I have like Lysol yeah. things and hand sanitizer and mints and like all, and a pair of AirPods and like the things that yeah, like I, mean, I know I'm gonna need- that far off. But you have yeah. socks and dark chocolate that potentially <laughs> melt into your socks. That's far and, off. And, and, and Ativan. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Ativan, I understand because, like, I have Ativan too. I don't carry it around with me, but I do carry it on Zyrtec with me. It's just, wait, it's just like it's just like Xanax, right? Ativan? Yeah, it mm-hmm. just calms you down. It's like anxiety medication. Lorazepam, yeah. 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 Thank um, God for it, too. But I, I'm really, I'm really eager to see the socks. And if they're, if, if they, if they break in half, I don't know why. I'm gonna, I'm gonna know that that's your, that's your car jerk off. Ew. That's your. No, it's, it's just, it's gym, it's my gym clothes that are freshly clean. Yeah, you have and... a separate bag for gym though. No, a separate. I don't. The socks go in that bag. No, I don't have a separate bag for Jim. You need a separate oh. bag. It's gonna be the air. It's too dirty. It's no, no dirt at surprised. all. I'm a little surprised to hear that you don't have a separate. So you, you're, you're like, uh, like the bag you take to Target is the same bag you go to the grocery store uh, to to the gym with. Technically, yeah, but like having a car, I'm like I'm fancy free. I don't need a bag. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's what I love. Yeah. I love. But it. you know, yeah. you. I feel like you do need very separate. I mean, listeners, please chime in in the comments. Please you need don't. a separate bag for the gym versus Target. Like yeah. you need the the germs. You need it. The, see, I, I, I guess mean, you know it's what? not I, about I germs. It's about yeah, stank. I, it's about it's stank. Not, <laughs> you, I'm so sensitive to smell, and there is literally no. But it's not I don't have anything smell. smelly or or unclean <laughs> in my bag in terms of gym clothes. And when they are used, they you go got right that into neck a plastic. Fan. Ba- they you go got right that into sweaty a sweaty ass neck fan. No, they go right into <laughs> dirty gym clothes. Go right into a plastic bag, and it is sealed so tight that not a oh my not God. a drop. Of bacteria, even. Oh do, you get, do, you, do you get back knee, neck knee? I should say from no. the from the fan because no, you, do you, you, you wipe it down I, regularly? You have to hear. It's not that I I don't run with it on my neck. I, I put it <laughs> I put it on the treadmill in front, like ah! in front of me. <laughs> the treadmill at Equinox has fans, Elliot. Yeah, not enough. Not enough. And not oh in the right direction. God, I can't. Oh that makes God. it even worse. I don't wear it on my neck. <laughs> 
What would your aunt say? What would your aunt Ramona say about something she heard on today's show? Am I the only one who's surprised that Elliot's bag doesn't contain wet wipes? <laughs> I was waiting for a joke on that. Yeah. Uh, my Aunt Joanne would say, uh, the way she spells Schneider, yeah, she's Jewish. <laughs> right. It's a C-H. Uh, <laughs> how about Aunt Anne? Uh, my Aunt Anne would say, I never leave home without a pair of pantyhose in my purse because you never know when you need to rob a bank. <laughs> put it right over uh, your face so go good right in, you know well, happy but new not year, control everybody. top because it blocks too much <laughs> yeah happy new ha- year everybody ha- happy new year elliot happy new year alan <laughs> i love you both very very much oh we love you too brent happy new year <laughs> as creepy. a friend creepy happy new year everyone <laughs>